0: Well, good morning again, Compass. We want to extend at this time a very special welcome to all those that join us that aren't in the service today with us. Uh, We have our campus in Marina, our campus in Padre, both the morning and the evening service, and of course all those that do join us online, and a special welcome to the inmates that do join us in the Soledad Correctional Facilities and all up and down the coast. So let's give them all big uh, Compass welcome this morning. We hope this service is a, a special blessing to all of you today. So we're going to talk today about the God of new beginnings, and let me start with a question. Have you ever experienced the excitement of starting something new, right? Whether it's uh, starting a new project or uh, buying a new car or maybe walking into the smell of a freshly painted home, maybe putting on a new, brand new outfit. There's something invigorating about doing something new. There's something fresh about it maybe a blank slate kind of feeling where there's a chance to leave the past behind and embrace the potential of a new future. We all love that feeling. Well, as it turns out, the idea of new beginnings is actually something that is deeply rooted in our faith as well. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 21 verse 5, "Behold, I make all things new." Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5:17 that when you become a Christian, The old life is gone, and a new life has become. So it's clear in the Bible that God is a God of new beginnings. That's for certain. And one of those times is at the start of a new year. I mean, after all, it's God who created the calendars that we live by, right? He's the one that created the sun and the earth and the solar system. It all cycles around. We have a chance to begin anew each year. And that's why I'm so glad that you decided to join us here this morning at Compass Church as I begin a two-part mini-series called Vision 2023, This Year at Compass. And this weekend's message today is going to be about how God is a God of new beginnings and how, when he allows us to reset things in our life and in our hearts and in our minds, we now have the opportunity to renew and re-engage with him at a different level. We're going to talk about what God is doing at Compass and how you can be ready for all that God has in store for your life. Forty years ago, two relatively small and seemingly insignificant organizations were founded. In Santa Rosa, California and El Cajon, California. The first, a local church in Santa Rosa, began a small radio station with the call letters KCLB which started broadcasting on 91.9 FM. And it dreamed that God would do something big through their small church and humble resources. The second, a ministry led by a pastor and his wife, started in their garage. And they aimed to spread the message of the gospel through radio, TV, and print media. Well, today, KCLB has actually grown into the largest Christian radio network in the country reaching over 20 million listeners each week through K-Love and Air One radio networks. That ministry in El Cajon, California, that's led by Dr. David and Donna Jeremiah. That also has grown significantly, reaching now over 4 million listeners and viewers on various radio and TV stations around the world. And the church they now lead has become one of the most influential in the entire country. You see, these two examples show us that God can do great things with small beginnings and humble resources. It also illustrates the potential that one person's life can have in making an impact for the kingdom of God. And it brings up a great question for us today, and here it is. What might God do in your life, given the chance? What might God do in your life if you gave him the chance? You went all in for God this year. What might God do in your heart and in your life? You know, for 150 years, this church, Compass Church, has served as a source of hope for the Salinas Valley and the surrounding Monterey Bay area. And I believe that the best is yet to come for our church. I really do. I believe that. But achieving this bright future will require two things from us, two critical key things. And here they are. Write this down. The first one, we must put Jesus and keep Jesus at the center of all we do. We must do that. It's a non-negotiable. You see, Jesus, according to the Bible, is the founder and the builder of Compass Church. Isn't that true? It's not a person, is it? It's not a set group of people. It's Jesus and only Jesus. How do I know that? Because the Bible says he's the cornerstone. Of everything else that's built, it's all built around him. 1 Peter 2.6 says it this way. I am placing in Jerusalem a cornerstone chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him, that's Christ, will never be disgraced. That's the first thing. The second thing we must do is we must recognize that God works through people to accomplish his plan in the world. The verse just before 1 Peter 2.6 is 1 Peter 2.5. What does it say? It says you, the body of Christ, the individual believers, you are the living stones that God is building into this spiritual temple. So it's not like just Jesus snaps his finger and all of a sudden ministry takes place. He says, no, I'm the cornerstone, build everything around it, around him, but you and I are the ones who get to be the living stones. That's how the Bible describes it. I came across a book this week by a pastor named Wayne Codero. He pastors a large church in Honolulu, Hawaii. I think I might have to go visit him in a couple months. Um, <clears throat> but in his book, Doing Church as a Team, he writes uh, how God has people in place for specific purposes in different congregations. And that when God created the world, he never makes mistakes. And that we can trust that he's placed us exactly where we need to be in order for God to fulfill his great and glorious plan. And then he goes on to make this quote, which I love. He says, God never makes mistakes. I've searched the entire Bible thoroughly, and I've yet to find even one instance where God said, oops. (laughs) So you may be wondering why you're here today, why you're a part of this church. You're right where God wants you, right here at Compass Church. You know, Jesus once told his disciples in John 15, he says, you guys didn't choose me. Y'all need to understand that. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Not only did I chose you, I appointed you. I put you in your place. I put you right here, right now. Why? So that you will go and bear fruit, but not fruit that withers away. Fruit that will what? Last. Say that with me. Fruit that will last. That's the kind of fruit God wants to build into your life. So it brings up a big question. What kind of church do we want to be? As Compass Church. What kind of church do we want to be known as in our community this year and the next year and so on and so forth? It's important for us to strive, I think, to be a church where everyone feels welcomed. Everyone feels that they can have a change happen in their life, a transformative change, and everybody knows they're needed. Welcome, changed, and needed. Welcome, changed, and needed. We want to be that kind of a place where everyone can feel a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose. So let's dive into that this morning and look at those three key points. So the first thing we want to be is we want to be a church where everyone is welcome. So if you have your notes with you, go ahead and fill that in. A church where everyone is welcome. My wife is a big fan of um, a TV show that maybe some of you might remember. It was called Cheers. How many remember that show? Cheers, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The younger people are saying, what's Cheers? What is that? It's a show back in the 80s, I think, right? (laughs) Maybe into the 90s, who knows? Who knows? But it had a memorable cast, of course, and characters and and great dialogue. And that show lasted for 11 years. But I think what really my wife enjoyed, I don't think she really cared too much about the show. She just liked watching the opening. Do you remember that song? Where everybody knows your name. Do you remember that? And they're always glad you came. And some of you are singing a little jingle right now in your head, aren't you? (laughs) Did you know that in 2011, Rolling Stone magazine did a poll from TV viewers and they ranked that theme song as the number one theme song in all of television. And TV Guide in 2013 named it the greatest TV theme song in all time. Can you believe that, that little song? So why do you think that is? Why did that song resonate so much with us as a culture during that time frame and even today? I believe it's pretty simple. That song, the TV show Cheers and the song Everybody Knows Your Name, it's attributed to the fact that we all face challenges in our life. And we all crave the comfort and understanding of other people. But not just the comfort understanding, it's the comfort understanding of other people that also relate to us. In other words, they get us. They get it. They understand it. As social creatures, psychologists tell us that we need support and connection of other people when we go through struggles, we go through hard times. We get overwhelmed by our problems. And if we're not careful, we forget who we are. We do. It happens to us all the time. You know, there's an old story of a rabbi who uh, was living in uh, a Russian city about a century ago and he was disappointed by his lack of direction and purpose in life and he wandered out into the chilly evening and he walked through the empty streets questioning his faith in God and he was so covered by his own despair and misery that he mistakenly wandered into a Russian military compound and the silence of the evening chill was shattered by the bark of a Russian soldier. Who are you? and what are you doing here? Excuse me, replied the rabbi. I said, who are you, and what are you doing here? Rabbi thought about it for a second, and he said to the soldier, how much do you get paid every day? The soldier said, what is that to you? With a smile on his face, the rabbi said, listen, I'll pay you your day's wage, if I come back here every single day and you ask me those same two questions, who are you and what are you doing here? Hmm. Let me be that Russian soldier for you over the next few minutes. Who are you and what are you doing here? You know, it's a scary thing to forget who you are. I experienced a serious car accident in my early 30s. I was driving along in my Jeep and it stopped in a Ford F-150 hit me from behind. The Jeep ran into a brick wall and caromed off and headfirst into a tree. I injured myself and had a serious head injury and had to put staples in my head. And after being released from the hospital, I noticed that while I was public speaking, I had a difficult time recalling certain stories about my own personal life. It It was like things went blank. Now, thankfully, after a couple of months, it cured itself and I got back to my regular cantankerous self, so everything was good. But I often thought to myself, there's kind of a spiritual correlation to that experience that I had, and it's this, how many people have forgotten a part of themselves and who God wants them to be? Listen, friend, when you see people come to Compass Church Many of them that walk through our door, and maybe some of you here today, it's as if you've sustained a spiritual concussion in your life. Denise kind of hit on that a little bit during the worship. Something happened to you this year or last year, and you're, you're in a daze, and you can't quite figure it all out. You're wondering, who am I in Christ? Does God still love me? Have I done something so bad that God separated himself from me and doesn't want anything to do with me? It's like you're lost. Spiritual wreck, wounded, hurting. And all throughout this year, ladies and gentlemen, men and women, people are going to come to our church in that same exact condition. They've forgotten who they really are, and for many, they're uncertain and unsure about their identity. And one of the best ways this year that we can inspire those who come to Compass Church is to offer them a warm welcome. Welcome them as if they're coming home, because in many ways, that's what people are doing. Isn't that true? I want you to think about this for a minute. Who was a master at doing this? Jesus, right? He was a master at doing this. He was phenomenal at making people feel loved, making people feel valued and accepted. And he did all of it regardless of their background or their circumstances. Isn't that true? You know, from the woman at the well to Matthew, the tax collector, from lepers and beggars and everybody in between, Jesus had a special way of making everyone feel welcome. And I think you and I should do the same thing. So here's the question. How do we do that as a church? How do we become a more welcoming environment at Compass in 2023? Well, I wrote some things down. We can start by having what I think is a best-in-class hospitality focus. From the parking lot to the lobby to our greeters and ushers, from our kids and teen ministries, to each and every small group, from every person in the Compass family, we all have an opportunity to set the stage for a welcoming environment. The moment someone steps foot on our property, I would love to be known as the most friendly church in town. How about you? I really would. It's one of the reasons why we work real hard to identify our volunteers and our staff, and we're gonna continue to do that. It's why I'm wearing a Compass shirt today, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) Thank you, David, for getting this done for me. You don't know how hard this is to get this done (laughs) in short notice, right? It's why we invite people to come early and stay after for coffee and donuts. It's not just to put on a few pounds that you have to work off a little bit later, right? It's intentional to go meet somebody new. It's why we take a moment in every service to greet someone around you. You realize when you greet somebody, it may be the first greeting they received all week. Think about that for a while. People don't greet each other like they used to. You ever see people open the door for each other? Oh, here you go, after you. No, after you. No, after you. Nobody does that anymore. (laughs) They come to church and they shake someone's hand for the first time. It could be a month. Someone smiled at them and said, it's good to see you. Thank you for being here today. My name is Todd. How long have you been a part of Compass? This is my first visit. That's great. This is my third. This is wonderful. Just meet people. So that's my challenge. We want to be a place where everybody knows your name. We want to be a place where we're always glad you came. And here's my challenge. I want you this year, write this down. I want you to challenge yourself to meet one new person at Compass every time you attend. Just go meet someone new. You don't recognize them, doesn't matter. You're supposed to know them, who cares? Just say, I forgot your name. I'm Todd, nice to meet you. (laughs) Pastor told me I had to do it, so I get a free pass. And then write it down in a notebook, right, so you don't have to do that every week. But seriously, if you're going to attend church this year 40 weekends then meet 40 new people this year. If you're going to be here 50 weekends, meet 50 new people. We need to strive intentionally at building a welcoming and supportive community of believers. And when we do that, I really honestly believe this is the first step in creating a revolutionary and life-changing ministry center in this community. I really believe that. It's the ground level. It's the first step. Now... As we consider this idea of life-changing environment, it brings us to the second kind of church we want to be. And that is a church where everyone is changed. A church where everyone is changed. You're experiencing life transformation. I went back and researched some of my um, material on this topic, and I ran across a book that I had read a couple years ago. It's Erwin Lutzer's book. He's the pastor, or was the pastor, at Moody Bible Church in Chicago. He wrote a book in 2018 called uh, The Church in Babylon and how the church is intersecting in a secular world. It's a very great book. I recommend if you want to read it. But he shares the illustration that the church uh, is to be in the world like a ship that's in the ocean. But when the ocean begins to seep into a ship, the vessel is in trouble, right? So you all get the picture. And he continues by writing uh, about John Newton, who you may know was the writer of Amazing Grace. And John Newton knew something about a ship that was about to go under in a storm. In fact, he was converted after being overwhelmed with fear when a ship he was on encountered a terrifying storm in 1748. But later in life, after being ordained as a clergyman, uh, John Newton wrote, When a ship is leaky and a mutinous spirit divides the company on board, a wise man would say, My good friends... While we are debating, the water is gaining on us. We had better leave the debate and go on to the pumps. Isn't that true? So many churches spend so many times arguing about things. What song should we sing? What should be the temperature in the auditorium? It should just be good, right? Songs should be well, done well. They should be done with excellence. They should be theologically sound. But it doesn't really matter what the tempo is. Not really. You think God cares? He didn't tell us what style of music to sing, did he? Sing with excellence, sing with joyful sound. We argue so many times about things that are so unimportant and unnecessary and the world is sinking and drowning all around us. In the midst of it, some churches, their boat is going down and they don't even know it. Let's get to the pumps. Let's not let the world seep in and direct us in a way that we don't wanna go. You see, Jesus once prayed in John 17, 15, He prayed to the Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. In other words, we're going to experience trouble and turmoil. We're going to experience the world trying to seep in. It's going to happen. But Jesus said, Father, I pray that you keep them from the evil one. So we keep it out. You see, many Christians, when they come to Christ, they hope that God's going to improve their circumstances to make their lives on earth more comfortable, right? If I come to God, I give my life to Christ, everything's going to be great. That might happen. He might solve a few of the issues in your life. He might fix some things that are, are gone awry. But it's entirely possible that the other thing could happen. You could face challenges and resistance from the world. I think some of you probably have experienced when you openly identify as a Christian and you prioritize biblical principles in a secular world, you may start drawing attention. You may start uh, receiving pushback from the world. Likewise, some of you may have experienced that when you speak out against these destructive ideologies may lead to personal attacks against you. But Christ says, despite these challenges, it's important to persevere and remain faithful. Because many people, are, they struggle with this issue because they think, if I step out for God, do I have to do it all on my own? No, you don't. Second Chronicles 16.9 clearly tells us, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the entire earth to do what? To give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him, those who have gone all in for God. It's a wonderful promise. Circle that in your notes today. Some of you may want to review that later this week. But let's look back a little bit on this verse we mentioned earlier, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I think it's a great verse. It's a fascinating passage. Anyone who belongs to Christ, in other words, if you become a Christian, you have become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And what does that mean? It means God's working a process in your life. It means he's changing us. See, we don't want to be a church that encourages people just to come. And don't change your life. No, we want to be a church that encourages life change and spiritual growth. Rather than simply attracting people who continue in their old ways of living. We want to be a church that models a biblical worldview in our lifestyles. Rather than being stuck in habits that do not align with our faith. We want to be a church that is spiritually mature. And we're able to fully embrace all that God has for us. Rather than being held back by instability. I'm convinced that one of the major reasons why a lot of Christians aren't experiencing all that they want is because of this simple topic of spiritual maturity. They don't put boundaries in their life. They don't put the the gutters like on a bowling alley. I'm not going to go that far. If I go over the edge, it's just not going to be good. If I go over the edge here, it's not going to be good. And so I said, what's the edge, Pastor? Get into your Bible. Get into your Bible and read it in a literal interpretation and God will tell you. He will design a lifestyle for you that is biblically appropriate. That's how you do it. We want to be a church that honors God and follows Christ in every aspect of our life. Let me share these two passages with you. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed. Conformed to what? The world? No, to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans 12.2 says a little further. It says don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. A lot of people do that. But let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. If you get your notes with you, circle that Bible verse, Romans 12, 2. We've got to go back to this, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to go back and allow God to change the way we think because we live in a world that's constantly challenging the way we think. We've got to get back into the scripture and say, we want to be the kind of person that God's transforming us by changing the way we think. And then when we have the proper thinking, then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Do you want to know what God's will is for you? Start changing the way you think. Start thinking biblically. And when you do that, God is going to teach you, and he's going to guide you, and he's going to direct you. So we desire to be a welcoming church where all are accepted, but we also want to be a place where everyone is transformed. That's the message there. So here's the question. How can we help People become more like Jesus at Compass Church in 2023. How can we do that? Well, the first thing we're going to do as a church, as we always do, is we're going to prioritize the study and the application of God's word. Why? Because we believe that personal transformation occurs best when we engage with the Bible. Okay? When we engage with the Bible. And that's what shapes our lives. But in addition to regular teaching from the Bible each weekend from this pulpit, we are also going to focus on some other areas. And here's a few of them I wrote down in my notes. The following areas in 2023 to help us become more like Jesus. The first thing is small groups. Small groups. We are encouraging everyone, everyone to jump on board this year into a small group. And to help aid this process starting this week, we are now offering a sermon-based small group experience over the next 12 weeks. Next 12 weeks. I encourage you to get involved. Every small group across the entire platform of Compass Church will be provided a set of questions that coincide with the Sunday message, and we are doing this in real time each weekend. We've developed a team of phenomenal writers right here at Compass Church that take my message, they get a little bit of an advanced copy, and they have already converted that into a set of compelling questions, and they've been uploaded to the website today. So as small group leaders, you just go on, download those, and begin to lead the group. So we're going to be learning together as a church what God's doing in our hearts. Isn't that cool? It's going to be exciting. It's one of the ways that we hope will lead to better life transformation. It's going to be amazing. Another area we're going to focus on is next steps. You guys hear this every week, and we have been so blessed to see so many people make a new commitment to Jesus Christ at Compass Church each and every weekend And to support these new believers in their faith journey, we're relaunching our Alpha course, which is a discipleship, a first-time believer course, and we're developing a roadmap for the next steps in our church. Why? Because we want to make sure that people feel welcome and connected as they begin their journey with Jesus. Another thing we're going to focus on this year is something called Compass U, Compass U. In a digital age, we're excited to offer a new platform called Compass U. Be looking for that later in the year. And the purpose of this is to connect with our community in a different way. Compass U will provide digital resources to strengthen your faith and share high-quality content with other people in your orb, in your sphere of influence. This will include apologetic videos, uh, biblical responses to cultural questions, and also I'm thinking about the idea of offering a weekly podcast where I address, address questions about the sermon each and every week. Wouldn't that be cool? I preach a sermon... You fire me an email and say, Pastor, what in the world did you mean by that, right? And then I can just put up a podcast and we can share it with people. But Compass U will be a tool to help cut through the noise of the world and share the truth with Christ with others. And then also men's ministry. Huge need, we, we have to do this. We're relaunching our men's ministry in 2023. Glad to see the women are excited about that. That's good. <laughs> You need to go to the men's group, yeah, right. (laughs) But we believe this ministry will promote strong biblical foundations, not only within our families, but within our church, but also the whole community. Now, here's the exciting announcement I told you I was going to share with you a little bit earlier. I'm pleased to announce that our new uh, assistant pastor, uh, Andrew Statsany, will be leading and supporting the men's ministry and the previous three ministries up there on the screen that you see, along with various other tasks and duties. Uh, In short, Andrew and Amy are a wonderful couple that Dee and I have known for many, many years, and I'm confident that you're going to enjoy getting to know them as well. Later today, uh, if you go to the Compass website, we'll upload their family photo and their their bio so you can learn about their ministry, Uh, and you can learn more why uh, the elders and myself have decided uh, to have Andrew fulfill this important role in our church. But he's with us here today, so Andrew, would you please stand? And let's welcome him to our church. I'd have them come up and say a few words, but I'm running short on time, so I'm just gonna keep moving forward. Uh, we're gonna also continue to focus on our women's ministry, and Lisa told me she's got a special seminar, retreat, conference. We don't know what it's gonna be called yet, but in June, ladies be prepared. We're gonna do an awesome thing. <laughs> Also, New Hope Counseling. This is going to be wonderful. We're going to relaunch that again as well. We have a team of nearly 10 lay counselors who are prepared to assist individuals and couples with the challenges that can damage relationships. How many know we live in a world where relationships are being attacked all day, every day, right? Isn't that true? From all sides. And we have to provide opportunities for families and individuals to build stronger relationships And we support people in applying these biblical principles to their marriages. This ministry is also going to offer marriage seminars and relationship classes. We have on the calendar this year three already. Three marriage seminars and classes that you'll be able to attend. And lastly, in this uh, segment, we're going to have VBS for the kids this summer. How's that sound? Pretty cool? I love VBS. I always have loved VBS. I went when I was a kid, and I loved it. I love the games, but i got to tell you, I love those Bible story times. I really do. I remember them. Even as a little guy, I remember those stories. And so we're going to have the opportunity this summer to host a top quality vacation Bible school for the children of Compass and our surrounding community. There are kids all over this neighborhood. We want those kids here, right? We want them here and their mom and dad. We want them all here. So we're excited to have that. Now, again, this is just a highlight and a sample of some of the ministries that we're going to be focusing on. But I want you to see that we want to be a church where everyone is welcomed and everyone is changed. Now, what's the third kind of church you want to be? We want to be a church where everyone is needed. Everyone is needed. Let me ask you a question. If I was to ask you, what is a church? How would you answer it? Would you, would you say, oh, a church, that's, that's a building. And it's not a real church unless it has a steeple, right? That's, now that's the church, right? Would you say a church is an organization, right? It's a collection of, of churches. What would you say it is? Now, in part, it, some of those answers are right. But in reality, that's not what a church is. A church isn't a building, a church isn't made up of organizational structures, a church is actually specifically the people of God. People of God in a specific community and the people of God around the world. For example, the book of Revelation contains letters, written to who? Local churches. In cities, Ephesus, uh, Philadelphia, Laodicea and other cities. They provided guidance to the believers in those places. The biblical word for church is actually ecclesia, and it refers to a a community of Christians, meaning an assembly or a congregation, or my favorite uh, definition is the called out ones. I like that one. That's the church, the called out ones. The term church in the New Testament did not refer to a building or refer to a specific location, but rather the gathering of believers and the overall body of Christ. That's how the New Testament explained it. So in a biblical sense, we, you and I, we're followers of Jesus Christ. We are a part of the called out ones in the county of Monterey or Santa Cruz, this whole area, this Monterey Bay area. We're the called out ones. We just happen to gather here in this facility on Sundays, right? But We're part of the church in this area. Ephesians 4.12 tells us that we are reminded that we should be equipped as believers and ready to serve in ministry. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 refers to all believers as a royal priesthood. These two passages highlight the importance that all Christians need to understand that they are involved in living out God's plan in the community. You see, I think it's essential that we fulfill the role that God has for each and every one of us. I think in our culture, we've developed this mentality that the church or the ministry of the church is supposed to be done or accomplished by a few professionals, Let's go out and hire a pastor and, you know, a music leader and all of this. And we do that. And that's okay. That's, that's appropriate. We need to do those things. But what I think some churches get lost is they think all the ministry is done by the hired guns. Does that make sense? And when you understand the New Testament, that's not how it worked. You had pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets, evangelists. You had those, 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 uh, the five-fold ministry. But the ministry of the church, the actual, the living out of the plan of God in a community was done by the royal priesthood. That's you. That's you. You are the ministers in the church, just as much as I'm a minister. I just be, I'm the guy up here who speaks on Sundays. But there's no different in the mind of God in terms of the role, in terms of our effectiveness in this community. (laughs) That pastor in Hawaii that I'm going to go visit, he said it this way. (laughs) You see, I snuck that in like that. You see, I did that it's good so then in the next elder meeting I say well like you all agreed I'm going to Hawaii (laughs) he says before you're a businessman you're a minister before you're a homemaker you're a minister before you're a student or a grandparent or a CEO you are first a minister understand that that's how God views you and your role in the community you see we're full time citizens of heaven how many agree with that right we're full time followers of Jesus Christ isn't that true You love God full-time, don't you? All right, then why aren't you also a full-time minister wherever you go? Ooh, I backed you into that one, didn't I? You see I did that? (laughs) See, at the bottom line, here's the question I want to get to. What is the best way for God to reach people? What is the best way? Do you know God puts people in certain communities so he can reach them? Is that true? It's in the Bible? Yeah, check it out. Acts chapter 17, here we go. And he determined, God, the time set for them, people who don't know God, and the exact places where they should live. Wow. Did you know that? God puts people in a specific city. God did this so that men and women right, would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Wow. I never viewed it that way. Well, this is how the Bible teaches it. God has put lost people in this community so the called out ones can be the ones to go reach them. That's how he does it. That's like 15 layers beyond any sort of thinking you and I ever comprehend, isn't it? How God does that. God has a plan for everyone, and you you play a vital role in it. God reaches people by using others with similar backgrounds and experiences. For example, let me give you an example. If you were God, and you wanted to reach teachers, what's the best way to reach a teacher? Through another teacher, right? Find somebody who has the gifts, the passions, the skill sets, went through the education... And have them understand they're a full-time minister and then send them back into the school system. That's how you do it. That's how God does it. God reaches people in all professions. Police officers, construction workers, accountants, athletes, business owners, artists. By sending full-time ministers, that's you, into the fields and empowering you to use your natural gifts, your natural talents, and your passion to share his love with those people. So Here's the question. How does God want to use you in your field of expertise this year? That's what you should be asking right now, this week. God, how do you want to use me this year in the area of expertise you've given me? The area of influence you've given me? The area of my sphere of influence? How do you want to use me? Here's my challenge for you to make it even simpler. I encourage you to take some time to pray for the salvation of three people in your life. Three people. An unsaved co-worker or classmate. So if you're in school, right? An unsaved co-worker or classmate. An unsaved family member. And an unsaved friend. So write those three things down. That's what I want you to focus on. Everyone here that's a follower of Christ, I want you to focus on those three things. And pray this year that God would use you and your sphere of influence to impact the life of three individuals. And as you pray for them, ask God to give you opportunities to share the gospel with them at that right time and at that right moment. You know, I did a study once about how Jesus, the most effective ministries, part-times in Jesus' life. And do you know when they were? This is fascinating. They weren't set up moments. You know, Jesus did all of his ministry, walking from town to town, place to place, and the most effective, most wild, most incredible parts and points of ministry in the life of Jesus happened during interruptions in his life. They weren't planned. Well, they are planned by him because he knew, right? But to everybody else, it looked like an interruption. So begin praying, asking God, God, you can send me an interruption all day long if you want. Most of the time when someone's hurting and they, they don't want to tell us they're hurting, right? Let's go back to the cheers illustration, Okay. They're hurting, they're they're spiritually in a concussion, they don't know what's going on, and they interrupt or bump into your life, and you're like, I'm busy, I've got a deadline, i got an email, i got a text, I'm on social media right now, I'm on Facebook, this is important, and it's really an interruption, and in that interruption is where God will do some of the best ministry of your life this year, did you know that? Start praying for that, start praying for God to use the interruptions in your life to do ministry. So, that's one way that we want people to know everybody in the church is needed. And the second way everyone is needed is for us to be a church that fuels its ministries in an undeniable way. Now, you all just did this in December, so I'm preaching to the choir, right? You made a great statement in December that you want to fuel the ministries that God has given us here as a church. But everybody knows that if you want a car to run, it needs fuel. It's the same way with a business, with a charity, with a church. And we fuel the things we want to move. Isn't that true? Your car runs out of gas on the freeway, you want to get it off the freeway, you better go get some gas and put it in, right? Or a tow truck. But you fuel the things you want to move. And financial resources are an undeniable way in which the people of God can continue to send out the message of the gospel. And the Bible is not silent about our finances. And I'm not going to go into biblical teaching on tithing here today. I just want to share that with you as we start the year. It's important for us as we set our budgets and what God wants to do in our life, that how we contribute to the working of God's kingdom and how we fuel his ministries is part of the element where everybody is needed and everybody should participate as God tells you how to participate. I shared with you when we did the birthday gift to Jesus back in November, we started in December. I said, you go home, you pray about it, right? And you do what God tells you to do, lays on your heart. And you all did that. That's really all it's about. But instead of me telling you about the importance and benefits of giving, I actually would like to share with you a story about a wonderful couple in our church who discovered for themselves the joy and blessings of giving to God's kingdom. So I'm going to share their video story with you here just now. Let's look at this.
1: so we were introduced to christmas on main street by a friend that said we might enjoy it music singing and that's what i love so we went and then we loved it so much we just continued to go every christmas we were both raised
2: uh, very catholic raised in the catholic denomination and raised our children in the catholic denomination and after you know, five decades of being a Catholic, uh, stepping outside was a was a risk and kind of daunting task. And we weren't in agreement on what church to go to. So <laughs> I said, "Hey, um, I'll go to any Christian church you want to." And Beth said,
1: "I'm <laughs> Compass." I just knew, I said, "I'll go to Compass, and that's it." So. We started going to Compass every Sunday, and then it was like Pastor Mike's message, he was following us around every day.
2: I was taking notes whenever she said, mm hmm, and uh, reflecting upon that. We started volunteering. We had uh, work days with Ryan and Andrea, and uh, those were great. They were uh, met a lot of people. So, one Sunday, Pastor Mike's message was on tithing and the blessings that'll come to your life. We never really heard that type of a message before. So once again, on the way home in the car, uh, we had a little discussion, and we were all in from that point on, on, on the tithing. And we've been tithing ever since. And this was another prompting uh, that we just trusted. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do it in, in, in a sacrificial way but we're going to do it off the top. It's going to be the first payments that we make each month. You see the staff, when when you're volunteering you realize how hard the staff works and uh, the the lives that are being changed by Compass uh, and so being part of that, being part of the uh, fiscal underwriting of that effort is is so important uh, because you really feel like you're making a difference and the blessings that came from tithing and from more importantly, being part of Compass, uh, are incredible.
1: It's been a blessing, and I think to our marriage, made us stronger together, made us understand each other and more open communication.
2: So if any of you out there are hesitant, you know, join Compass, get into a small group, tithe, volunteer, the blessings will come forth, and it's been true in our life.
0: Yeah, what a great, great, great story, and I'm sure some of you are probably going to have conversations in your car on the ride home as well, and that's okay. But you just begin to pray about how God wants to use you in this area and then just be obedient to that. But let me conclude the message today. I really want to share this with you. We are standing, I believe, on the edge of an amazing opportunity. It's an opportunity to reach this community. Uh, like never before in the year 2023 and 2024, the gospel has never been more relevant. The gospel message has never been more needed than it is right now in this time in our culture, not only in our city, but in cities across America and around the world. And you have an opportunity to see God move in ways that you maybe have never seen before in your personal life, in your family life, and in the life of a loved one, a coworker, or a friend. Well, we want to be the kind of church that is welcoming, We want to be the kind of church where people are experiencing life change and we want to be a church where everybody knows they're needed. Does that sound good? Sound good? Yeah. Somebody sent me a a text message this morning and I just wanted to share this with you in closing. Text message said this, my interest is in the future because I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. It's powerful, isn't it? It's a great thought. So I'll leave you with that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that we can take a moment and we can consider these things that we want to be the kind of church that is welcoming. We want to be the kind of church where people are experiencing life change. We want to be the kind of church where everybody knows they're needed. We can participate at so many different levels. And Lord, thank you so much for the history of this church. For over a hundred fifty years, you have had your hand upon this congregation and you have driven the mission forward. And so we stand here today in January of 2023, and we want to all agree together that we stand ready to serve you wholeheartedly this year like never before. Lord, give us wisdom, give us insights, give us guidance, protect us. I pray for your protection and provision over every individual and family that's a part of Compass Church, Lord. May your blessings and your grace shine down upon these people. And let this church be an example, the called out ones, Lord, in this room, in this community. Let them be an example of your love and your grace and your mercy to all people. Help us, Lord, to share your gospel message far and wide, everywhere we go. And we thank you for it now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you stand with me and we'll do our benediction and then we'll continue enjoying the Lord's day. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, Compass. Have a great Sunday. And we'll see you next week with Charles.